Hi, and welcome to the 40 and Infertile podcast. I'm your host, Victoria, at 40 and Infertile on Instagram. I'm a fellow IVF patient, and this is where I share with you my fertility journey in my late 30s and 40s, while also providing you information to minimize your fertility struggles later in life. This is episode five. I can't believe... I've made five of these episodes. Um, Thank you so much to everyone who's sticking with me and all your support. I'm so grateful. And if you're new here, welcome. And I hope you love it here. I cannot wait for you to hear this um, next episode. I have on today's episode, Dr. Stephanie Fine. Um, She is an internist turned weight loss for fertility specialist. So she works solely with women trying to conceive. And um, I actually met her through uh, Dr. Amy Avazadeh, the egg whisperer. So shout out to Dr. Amy, Um, totally one of my favorite people. And um, I heard... um, Dr. Fine on Dr. Amy's um, podcast. And so when I heard her, I reached out to her and I thought maybe she could help me. And so I called her. We had this really great conversation and we ultimately decided, hey, I'm going to try a few things on my own. And if I'm not successful, then I will reach out to her. So um, in that process, I um, started to talk to her and I was thinking about starting this Um, podcast. And let me tell you that she is a wonderful, wonderful human being. (laughs) So she's a really fantastic uh, physician coach, uh, but she's just a lovely human. Um, Since I've connected with her, she's definitely been one of my best hype people. And um, she's just like your biggest cheerleader. Um, Last cycle, I had a retrieval not go so well. Um, Things just didn't turn out um, how I wanted to. And she actually sent me this really sweet um, message on Instagram. And she kind of gave me this little pep talk. And um, it was just really nice. And then um, I started talking about, you know, doing this podcast. And she has been so supportive the whole way. I will get these wonderful messages kind of encouraging me and telling me, you know, I'm doing wonderful. And I'm like not even one of her clients. <laughs> I can't imagine how much support she gets from her clients if she's if I'm just like a, a, no one to her like in internet space. So <laughs> she's just wonderful. And so thank you, thank you, thank you, Stephanie, for all your positive energy as I navigate through this crazy journey as an IVF patient and um, now a podcaster. <laughs> Um, so today, um, you know, this is kind of similar to my conversation with Jen. I just got really excited about these topics because there's so much we can talk about with um, weight loss in general, one, and two, how weight loss and fertility um are related and, um, you know, what we can do to optimize our fertility. Some of the things we talked about today were um, effects of hormone medications on our weight gain. We talked about different diets today. We talked about body types. Um, And we talked about the amount, there's a particular amount of weight loss that could be potentially helpful. Obviously not for everybody, but there is a potential that it could be helpful for you. Um, Before we get started on the episode, though, I do have a small favor to ask of you. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the previous episodes, or if you found value, I would be so grateful if you could leave a five-star review and a written review so that more people who are struggling with their fertility um, can find these stories and resources. So um, if you can, after you listen to this episode or after you listen to some of the other episodes, it'd be really great if you could do that for me. Um, I also want to remind you that if you have questions, please, please, please feel free to reach out to me. Don't hesitate. Um, I have some really awesome guests coming up in the next few episodes and be really great to um, give them some of your questions. So I'm going to try and um, do some posts on Instagram, um, maybe in my stories or maybe some posts. I'm not quite sure yet. Um, about the upcoming guests, and I would love for you to post um, your questions and then um, submit them uh, to our guests. Okay, back to uh, the episode. Um, I would totally like introduce um, 
Stephanie, but I could not do her just, uh, I could not do her training um, or her uh, expertise any justice. So I will let her introduce herself in this episode. Um, so I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, here we go. Hi, today we have um, Dr. Stephanie Fine with us. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, is it okay if I talk or if I call you Stephanie or do you prefer Dr. Fine? It certainly is. No, I, I love Stephanie. <laughs> Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me um, today. I know. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> I know you have a super busy schedule, so I'm sure a lot of our um, IVF listeners will get a lot of value from um, hearing what you have to say today. Um, so the hard part in all of this is I know that you have many gifts and um, your expertise. I cannot do justice by doing your introduction. So would you mind please just telling us all how you got into this space um, in fertility and weight loss and helping women from wherever you kind of um, started? Oh, absolutely. So I actually am a trained internist and I was uh, planning on doing that. And I actually got into research uh, about... Um, medical mis doctors, medical mistakes. And the reason I got into that, and I was going to get my PhD after I had gotten my MD is because I'm so interested in humanity, like the, the places where we're vulnerable and that it's, um, that feels so challenging, that feels so real and raw and human. So mm -hmm. that is the theme that <laughs> takes us through. So anyway, did internal medicine, tried my hand at that actually, did not end up getting my PhD because my son came at 24 weeks. Oh, so I surprise. had, so he, yes, exactly. <laughs> I was literally like sitting in my classes and then thinking, Oh, and then all gone. So, um, he, by the way, is now a teenager doing beautifully, but it was a very challenging time. And, um, motherhood in general is, uh, uh, like just, well, here, I'll put it this way. Someone once said, sorry for the rough start. And I thought, well, that is the perfect thing I've ever heard in my life. So <laughs> I have a, I have a soft spot in my heart for rough starts to motherhood. Mm -hmm. So I have my interest in the, in the vulnerability of humanity. Mm -hmm. And then I have, um, interest in rough starts to motherhood. And so then we have, um, working with IVF clients. So, so it, it all comes together. I started working with weight loss in general and found that I loved it because of the time that I could spend with people and internal mm -hmm. medicine. It was so challenging. There was yes. 10 minutes to work with people. Yes. It's all pills. Like yes. that's just and not how I do things. Medical problems, chronic yeah. complex medical problems. Really? Exactly. In 10 minutes. Right. It just, it, yes. it, it was very frustrating. So I got out of that. I was working with weight loss and I personally had, have had issues with my weight. Um, and I lost 50 pounds about oh 13 years ago. Yeah. And I've kept it off this whole time, which is thrilling, you know, like yes. one of my major accomplishments with MD. <laughs> yes, 50 yes, pounds. Yes. Um, and so I, I live and breathe this stuff and I love, mm -hmm. love, love it. So I love working mm -hmm. with women who are interested in, in, um, changing things and, mm -hmm. and striving for something. And to me, that's what, what this is. And then if you put weight loss together with striving for motherhood, oh my gosh, you're, you yeah. are my human being that I yeah. am so in love with and so yeah. happy to help. Yeah, no, I can see how your experience, your own experience, um, can blend the two together for you. So, um, as far as fertility goes, there's, and I've read a couple of different things and, you know, to be quite honest, I have no idea what to believe. <laughs> Yeah. There's so much out there. Yes. And one of my main goals in doing this podcast was to bring people on that had the expertise that I clearly do not. And the other thing I also believe in is data. So, um, or at least evidence-based uh, data, meaning yeah. um, things that we can take um, in research and apply it to, um, you know, whatever we want to apply it to, whether it's chronic disease or fertility. So one of the things I feel like um, is an interesting space to get into is your space and, and whether or not um, different diets have an effect on our fertility. Mm -hmm. I've read a few different things. So there's like the um, uh, 
um, it starts with the egg book. Um, mm-hmm. It talks about the Mediterranean diet as one of mm-hmm. the best diets for fertility. And I've also read intermittent fasting might be good for people who may be diabetic. And then, you know, there's also the ketogenic diet, which is really big, I think, right now. So yeah. of these, what are your thoughts on those different diets and how they affect fertility? Well, it's such a good question. Um and the idea that a well, and this is where I come from. So I come from it. There is a lot of data showing that weight loss can really help fertility. Now, it's not the end all be all. It doesn't mean everyone who loses weight it will impact their fertility. Although on some level, because I've now been doing this a long time, I do think that there is something to it. So I'm going to go back and then I'll go forward. So um, the fat in and of itself is an endocrine. Uh, tissue, some even call it a gland, because it has estrogen. So we thought it was did nothing, like it just sat there as a blob. But in fact, it ha- it does have hormones going through it, and it, and estrogen is one of them. So when you have more um, estrogen than your than your body needs or is used to, it can uh, it can create problems for certainly ovulation, right? So, so that's, so that's one piece of it, fat, the actual fat itself. Another really important piece is insulin. And that's, you, you mentioned that sort of when you were talking about the diabetic piece. So insulin also, when you have higher insulin, um, either all the time, or even if it spikes really high, and then also we can talk about insulin resistance, insulin affects testosterone, it affects the liver in a way that increases testosterone. That's another way that the hormones can get out of whack. So again, so especially for ovulation, there looks like there's a lot of things that really affect that. And some, a lot of studies, um, a lot of the studies that are, are on weight loss and IVF, many of them talk about ovulation and that weight loss really looks like it can affect ovulation. So that's only one of the reasons why we might need IVF, you know what I mean? But that, but that seems really, really clear. Um, and so, so we have the insulin and we have the um, estrogen with the actual fat tissue. And then we have the, the insulin that can be affected both by what we eat and also things like timing and also um, having fat on board. So there's that piece too. Then there's inflammation. And um Again, fat tissue in and of itself is inflammatory, so there's some inflammation there, but also in our diet, certainly there are foods that can be inflammatory. Now, what's so interesting about that is that it's not across the board. It's not everyone. Some people are sensitive to gluten. Some people aren't. So we don't know which diet is perfect for each human. So it's mm-hmm. you can't say everyone should be on this diet yes. or everyone should be on that diet. It just, it, it, that, it, it doesn't take humanness into account. First of all, in lifestyle, because not only that, you have then, do you have a kid at home? Do you have, uh, you know, are you working full time? Like what, you know, I mean, there's so many things that that's why with, with, with those diets, it's always interesting to me because the truth is any diet will work, but temper, often temporarily, unless it fits for you, unless it takes your body into account and it's something that's easy for you to do, that's not frustrating, that you can manage, all those things. I'm always looking for the long-term effect. So diets are an interesting part because if you're going on and off of it, none of them work um, long-term but each of them may work short term. So that that's the thing about about dieting. I really have a bigger approach and an individualist approach so that we could find out what's working for you, what doesn't and then go from there. As a general rule, Mediterranean diets are amazing. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but again, yeah. they may not work for like th- that may not it may be terrible for you to have pasta. Right, you know right, I mean? right. Or, yeah, yeah. So so that's why you know, that's why it's always yeah. with a caveat. Yeah. Like if it doesn't match your palate or something, then there's no Correct. point yes. in yep. doing it. Excellent point. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. If like you if hate like, that food. Yes. I hate salmon. And you're like, do the right. Mediterranean diet. And you're like, well, I'm never going to do this because I hate salmon. That's exactly right. And sometimes it's so interesting because, I mean, I don't know if you've been there, but I have like, sometimes we, we, 
cre- like make ourselves go into pretzels trying to do something oh that we don't want to do, yes. right? Just so we can lose weight. I mean, yes. so we're like, oh, there's something wrong with me that I don't like salmon. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? But yes. there, I'm here to say there's not. Yes. There's nothing yes. wrong with you. Yes. And, and we can find we can find ways for each person to lose weight because the bigger picture is the fat loss and then the insulin and the inflammation. So when we work on those three things, we can we can get we can get what you need. Okay. Oh my gosh. My brain is spinning right now because I have like so many things I want to say about all of this. Okay. I don't even know where to start. So one of the things I'm thinking about too is how do you know when you're one of those people who could potentially benefit from fat loss so or weight loss, fat loss, I guess, however you want to look at it. If technically yeah. we're targeting the fat because the fat is the problem because the fat is that... Is that promotes that hormone issue. So how yes. do we know? So do you, are you a believer in the BMI or? So great question. Great question. So I do use BMI. The only reason I use it is because the studies have been done using that as a, as a measuring stick. So the thing of course, as always is the measuring stick is not measuring anything besides a number. It is not measuring your worth. It is not measuring your beauty. It is not measuring your, your fertility. Like it's not, it is a number that was calculated. So that's why I do use it. And the reason I use it too is because I like to measure how far down you go. You know what I mean? Like, are you down to BMI? You know, that's really helpful um, to look at too. And then, and then any of the studies are looking at, um, there's stuff about 40 in terms of the BMI getting below. There's stuff about 35, there's stuff about 30 and then 28. So there's all these places that we can affect change. And so I do use it, but again, it's, it is not a, um, you know, uh, it means anything about you. It's just yeah. a number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, meaning it's just one way that you're measuring um, outcomes is exactly. using that Precisely. as a potential data piece. Um, and to answer your question yeah. about um, who would benefit. Mm-hmm. So for like like the 40 and the 35 and the 30, those would, those would benefit in, in terms of um, the studies that we've seen. I do think that there is some benefit in going in that direction for almost anyone. Although if your BMI is 25, I, I don't think that's a place that you could, like, then if there's something to change, maybe it is in the foods that are, that are being eaten, like making sure you have a lot of vegetables in there. Do you know what I mean? And having your water and that sort of thing. But in terms of fat loss above 25 would be where I would. Uh huh. Um, Do you ever do like body fat measurements or you have, do you have your patients or clients do that? No, okay, I I don't. You're right. I use these proxy numbers. So the scale is also a proxy number, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're hopping on. We don't know. That doesn't necessarily, I don't know how much fat you actually have. I mean, that's just a number that we're looking at. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it's very important, particularly with fertility patients to, to um, have different data points so that we know when it's water. And when it's hormones and when it's a trigger shot and when it's the, you know what I mean? Because it could be so disheartening to hop on that scale and see three or four pounds up and you're like, what? Yeah, 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 for sure. And, and and when we know that it's not fat and we can know that based on what you've been eating and how we're doing, then mm-hmm. it, at least it's it can calm down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I know this comes up a lot. I, I don't have PCOS, but I know a lot of people who struggle with fertility have PCOS. And one of the components of PCOS, maybe that your BMI is a little bit higher. And some people might say, hey, before your next cycle or before you consider doing X, Y, or Z, consider maybe dropping some weight. What are your thoughts on, say, PCOS and weight loss? Yeah, that's actually the kind of what some of the studies are talking about because there's it can be an ovulatory cycle. So they actually can really benefit. People with PCOS can potentially really benefit because testosterone is a little high based on the insulin being a little high. If we're getting the insulin down, which can happen with some fat loss, although it can also be challenging. Like it is, it's one of these like chicken before the egg kind of things. Um, it can really make a difference. So weight loss with PCOS is amazing. And I if people have tried um, like getting help with that, like getting support with that would be the, the thing that I would recommend. I mean, you know, like work with someone who can help you because it's, it, it can, it can be challenging. Yeah. And so, I mean, while we're talking about insulin and stuff like that, like I'm yeah. just thinking 
you know, uh, it's probably a good idea for all of us to obviously get our diets in check before we get pregnant because um, during pregnancy, there's a lot of changes that happen to the body too. And some people may have this predisposition for gestational diabetes and things like that. So for everyone as a whole, what do you think would be good to kind of help prepare all of our bodies for pregnancy, even if maybe our body weights are are normal? What are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's such a good question because the i the and I'll go to gestational diabetes. So if you if you have gestational diabetes, you know everyone's tested for gestational diabetes. If you have it, the tr- first treatment usually, if it's not very hot, like a very a, a case that needs insulin right away, usually it, it often isn't. And then you just eat in a certain way, and then it's controlled. So of course, if we eat in that way ahead of time, we could potentially prevent it. So, and the way that that really works is again, this insulin insulin lowering type of diet, which focuses on whole foods. So the thing, the added sugars and then processed flour, which is any flour. So, you know, rice flour, almond flour, like all of it, the, the fact that it was, um, uh, processed, you know, so it's made into a powder that isn't what we normally would eat. Like if we were going to eat wheat, like Sean, a wheat thing, you know what I mean? You'd have fiber and all the rest of that stuff. That's all stripped away. So those things end up giving you a huge spike in your glucose and then comes the insulin, you know, rapidly to, to get it. So avoiding that is always going to be great and can prepare you to prevent or or yeah, prevent gestational diabetes. Again, it's I'm not saying that will do it, but that will also be the treatment. It's like mm-hmm. you're starting the treatment ahead of time. Yeah. So that that's the kind of thing everyone. If, the truth is, whole foods are really the, as many whole foods as you could possibly have is always going to be the best. And that's just that's just a general amazing thing. Like if it grows from the ground or walks on the earth, or you know what I mean. Like and, like as as minimally processed as possible and um, with some fiber and protein in it, that will keep the insulin down. The also the other thing that keeps insulin down is the fasting, like you were bringing up. So I I'm certainly certainly not talking about like 24 hour fasting, but at least 12 hours. And sometimes it's very easy for people to go 14 because they're not hungry for breakfast. If you're hungry for breakfast, I always say eat breakfast. But if you're not hungry for breakfast, don't eat breakfast. Um, but do eat when you get hungry. I mean, whenever you get hungry, eat. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes that can be 14 and that can help the insulin because the insulin then is not on board. It's not in your system when you're not eating. Yeah, because there's no glucose, right? So technically the function of insulin is to bring that glucose into your cells for your body to use in case people are wondering the relationship between glucose and insulin is when we eat, the food is converted to this simple sugar that our cells then use for energy. And then so our insulin... Yeah, I was going to say the carbohydrates are, right? So protein is not. Now protein, it turns out that protein does... um, increase the level of insulin a little. So it's not nothing, but it's nothing compared to the carbohydrates. And and when they're that available, because if they're in that white powder, that sugar, they're they're immediately available to the lining of the stomach. And I mean, the, it's not the stomach, but the small intestine, then it, there's that spike. Like that's why it, it's like, a, it's, it's an over response almost because it is that if it had fiber, it would have to break that down and then you have it slower and all the rest of that stuff. So yes. And it's such a good point that you bring up about how, because insulin then also it can, is the fat storage hormone. So it takes the, the um, glucose, uses what it can in the moment, stores some in the um, liver, but then the rest, whatever's left over gets stored as fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's how eating too much sugar, which I love, (laughs) which I am guilty of, uh, can be an issue. Well, and so uh, another thing I kind of want to talk about too, is, um, these cycles that we go through, um, I know for me, I, I have done a total of three cycles at this point. Um, the first cycle was okay, but I did my last two cycles pretty close together, almost back to back, ended up gaining like 10 pounds and 
like I definitely, well, probably a little more than that, probably 15, <laughs> 15 closer to 20 maybe. And um, so I feel like my body is different. It's changing. Why do you think some of us experience that? Is it part of the hormones that we're taking? Is it, I've read a couple of things. One of the things, you know, is, you know, all the hormones that we inject, particularly, I think some of us who are older, who don't have very many eggs, um, I think our doses of hormones go up. Um, and so I'm wondering what the relationship might be. And then the other thing is I've read that maybe too, because of the emotional part of it, we tend to eat maybe a little bit more yeah. or maybe not as well as we would have, you know, on any other given day. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you find that some of your patients or anybody talk to you about that after a cycle? Oh, yes. I mean, we, cause I work with people going through cycles normally. So, so we are a hundred percent talking about that. And it is a combination of both of the things that you said. So uh, definitely people react to hormones differently. And very often there's water retention. Often too, there is, so separate of the emotional part, cause I'll talk about that in a minute. There is actually like you get hungrier or you have cravings. Like those things are real parts of, of what hormones can do. So that definitely happens. So we have that piece. Now, if we only had that piece, then within a week or two after you could be back to where you were before, but we don't only have that piece. So I love knowing about that about the piece with the hormones, the pure hormones part, because we can mitigate that. We can figure that out um, with the when we have the data and we're looking at, we know what's going on there. That wild card and the part is the emotional part because it is so emotional. Like it is, it's chock full. Like there's, there's no part of it that is not emotional. And so if we're used to coping with food, which many of us are, I mean, like it's the most available, it's societally fine. You know, it's not like shooting up heroin. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's so, yeah. like it is, there are so many reasons why we use it as a coping mechanism oh, that yes. of course we're going to use it now. And then, and it's so emotional. So it's not like, you know, I don't know, a due date for a, a project at, at work, which it can even be stressful. Yes. It's way more yes. than that. Yes, so, yes, yes. so that's why that piece. And so like, again, you can't, have a program or, or lose weight without dealing with that piece. It, you, you just, I mean, people try to do that all the time, but it doesn't work long-term at all. And when I say long-term, I'm not even talking about for, uh, you know, for a very long time. I talk about long-term forever through pregnancy, after pregnancy, you know, up to pregnancy, all of it. I talk about it all, but when people are talking about diets, it's usually, that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about short term. So, but if you're really ever going to change how you relate to your body in terms of um, fat loss and, and a size that you're happy with, you have to deal with emotional eating. Like it's, it's just, it's not possible otherwise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you encourage your patients or clients to have um, a therapist. Oh my I, God. For, I love therapists. Yeah, yeah. So I'm on this like personal, <laughs> like vendetta to be like, tell, to tell people I'm like, everybody needs a therapist. Totally. We need to take the stigma off of therapy. Yes. So I, I feel like there's so many parts of this where people would benefit from speaking to a therapist. So do you find that you have patients or clients that are more successful when they have the combination of say help from you and help from a therapist to deal with all of these components. Yes, I love therapists. So th there and there are times when I then when it will be clear to both me and the client. Like it's not just like me like oh you really need a therapist. It's it, I mean it is just like a a clear thing and then and then it's easy for us to talk about. Also a lot of people will come with a therapist like you're saying. It's a, they'll have a therapist and also get help, you know, with this. And you're right, the emotional eating part is an overlap. So I work with it in a sort of a cognitive behavioral way, um, which, you know, it, it, I mean, it can be s parts of therapy, but I'm definitely not a therapist, you know? And so mm -hmm. there are yeah. like, like trauma thing, you know, any of that sort of thing yes. above my pay grade, like that's not, yes. so those are the kinds of things. So I do think that working to get like when someone's working with a therapist and it's like, it can get you the success that you want. And here's the thing. And that's what, this is what I love. It's forever. It changes your relationship with food forever. So it's not like we're talking about you're doing six months 
like I said, like a diet, you know what I mean? Like on and off. This is, this is changing your brain and how you're thinking about food that will last you. And that's why you can, on your way up to this pregnancy, pregnancy after pregnancy with the second pregnancy, do you know what I mean? Like you could, you could manage through all of it because you're going to be learning how to cope. And let me tell you something. Having a little baby is very stressful. <laughs> like, yeah. like I said, rough start to motherhood yeah. is one thing. But then when we get there, oh, so if you're already managing because of all that you had to go through ahead of time, you're, you're light years, honestly, light years, you know, above anyone else who is just having a baby. Yeah. No, I think that's super helpful because I, like I said, I've, I've been, I'm in this crusade to like tell people like everybody needs a therapist because I really think yeah. if anything, the last two years has taught us is that we neglect our, all of our mental, emotional health, like yeah. for much too long, we've done that. And we do a good job of coping in many different ways. Like you say, food is a big one because it's so socially accepted, right? Because yes. you say, oh, well, I had a really crummy day or, you know, I didn't get a promotion or whatever. And then they're like, oh, well, let's go get something to eat. Or let's go get some ice cream or I need to get cupcakes right. or Donuts will make right. me feel or better. Margarita. Yeah, totally. Yeah, right. Said, right. Yeah. And yep. so I feel like we, not that you can't or shouldn't, I think having treats every now and then is better than, cause I've done that whole thing where you're like nothing. And it, Never. Yeah. Right. And then all that happens is in about two months, I go crazy right. and I eat yes. everything in sight. And then I'm just, my, all my progress is like tanked. Right. Exactly. Conscious decisions is the best thing. So like, it's my birthday. I for sure want my favorite XYZ. Yes. Brilliant. Yes. Great. Yes. Yes. Yeah, for sure. It's just, of course, that every single solitary day having four cupcakes is that's, that's it, not going to, if, if you want to lose weight, then that's not going to get you where you want to go. But if you don't want to lose weight that, you know what I mean? Like that, yes. yeah, that's, do you. that's its own thing. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, a couple other things I'm thinking about as we've been talking and, you know, back in the day, I don't know if this is still a thing we talk about this. I think I just am showing my age at this point, but like we used to talk about the whole apple pear thing, you know, the body shapes and then, you yeah. know, obviously more um, abdominal fat as opposed to people who don't yeah. really have a lot of abdominal fat. How do you think that plays into all of this and, and, um, well, the, so the apple is a visceral fat. So the, the, you're at higher risk of having visceral fat if you have, if you're more of an apple shape, meaning that you have the fat literally in that middle area, that's where your organs are. And so that's what's, cause often what they'll be, they were talking about that with, um, regard to heart disease or, you know, diabetes, like uh, metabolic syndrome, all those sorts of things. And so that's the part that they were talking about. So if you have a pear shape, you're, it's, the fat is in a, your thighs, like there's nothing there to be affected. You know what I mean? D just, um, specifically in your thigh, but it is da more dangerous to have it around your liver in particular. Um, and so, and so th that's the thing that they were talking mm -hmm. about. So, cause with that, with like metabolic syndrome kind of stuff that is leaning more towards like insulin resistance type exactly. stuff. So it, would you say that it's still true that those who maybe are a little bit more apple shaped or, you know, that description, um, would maybe need to pay a little bit more attention to some of these things and consider. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that's a, that's a that's an interesting point. It's I haven't thought of it that way because I just think of it as yeah, weight loss. But I I guess that's true. Here's the problem with it. It's you can't target weight loss. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, so that's why I never think of it like that because there's not much we could like weight loss is the only way. And then you can't say, Oh, I'd like the next two oh, pounds to come off my yes. butt. You know what I mean? And so that, that part makes it difficult. I mean, the only thing you could say is that it might be an increased risk, but I mean, it's already scary enough to be overweight and you don't want to be yeah. like, I don't like to, sure, you know, scare, like, yeah. and that's, that's the other thing is, and I talk to my clients about this all the time. We, we get to where we are because of the situation that we're in, like the job you're in, the place you live, the people you're with, the circumstances of your life. Like it's not your fault. There's nothing like anyone in the position that you're in, in the exact position you're in would have a similar shape. Like it's it, it, so, so what we have to do is change 
parts of the things that are going on. So it, it, it's not because there's a failure on your part mm-hmm. or you're weak or there's, it, it's just not about that. It's really about the sort of the support systems and how easy it is to let ourselves get into a pattern that does not support our goals. Yeah. And, and in saying that, it, you know, cause it, it, it's kind of like IVF sometimes where you feel like a failure, like, why can't I lose yes. weight? Why can't I do this when Joe Schmo over here is doing the exact same yeah. diet and they drop 20 pounds in a month or yes. whatever. Um, what are your thoughts? Cause some people say, well, it's just my genetics and that's just how I'm going to be. And I'm, I can't make any changes. What are your thoughts on yeah. some people who feel maybe like they're up against the wall? Like they, that everything is working yeah. against them. What are your thoughts on those? Oh, well, that's exactly why I do what I do because I do think that, um, IVF patients in particular have, are in such a hard place. I, I just I, like I, I just I'm always thinking of what heroes IVF patients are in general, and then anyone who needs to lose weight. It's like it feels enormous. I to me there is no weight you have to be or ideal anything. If so, if you want to, that's who I can help. I actually can't help anyone who doesn't want to. Right? Yes, I mean, literally, of like, it's like smoking. It's not you possible. can't have someone quit right, smoking right. if they don't want to smoke, right. or if they don't want to quit smoking, right? And so anyone who's in the position where they're like, look, I can't do anything. It it might be true, but I haven't found that. Like if someone's willing, there's always something that we can do. Now, here's the thing. Going from like, if someone starts a program and they're like, okay, drop all your sugar. Good. You should be fine. You know what I mean? Like that is, that's mean in my, <laughs> my opinion. Yes. Like what we basically have to do is go from where, then this is the main thing that I do. Go from where you are and we go we take the low hanging fruit, the easy things, because it's incredible how fast it feels like, okay, it's not in one week, but in a relatively short amount of time, you feel completely differently than you did three months before. But you, but you did it in a way that was not a problem. It didn't bother. It was like, oh, that was an easy thing to do. And oh, since that's easy, maybe I could do this. And oh, that didn't seem like a big deal. So maybe I'll try this. That's the way it works. It does it, it the I think of it as like jumping into a pool. You know, if you if you jump into a freezing cold pool, you'll be like, ah, and scream, you know, and want to get out. But if you put your toe in and then you put your foot in, like you could be swimming in that pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like not really so, notice the change over time. Right. And it not be and it not have been a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. So when do so when do people come and find you and get your help? Because, you know, I know people will sit there and try and try, but at what point do we say, okay, we, we need Stephanie fine. We need her brain and her powers. When is that? Oh my God. That is such a good (laughs) question. Cause the answer, cause the answer is way before you think you need to, because, and here's, so a lot of people will come to me because their doctor said Mm. that they need to lose Mm -hmm. weight. That would be one of the reasons, right? We sort of hit that place like, okay. But the truth is if you've tried and I mean, who hasn't, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, like, I don't think any woman in America, you know what I mean? Has not been on a yes. diet. I mean, I'm sure there are some, yeah. <laughs> but what I mean is, what I mean is if you've tried already and you know that it's challenging, which is really what's going on in a lot of people's heads. They're like, I, I can't, like I've tried. It doesn't, it doesn't work. That's, I, I can help you. Like I, and not only that it's like, I can help you. We need help. Do you know, I think anyone in order to do this in a way that lasts forever needs help thinking of it in a different way, not buying into the uh, diet mentality, which is that on off, just calories in, calories out. You could do it. There must be something wrong with you. You know what I mean? If you can't, that is not it at all. There is not anything wrong with you. There are hormones involved and we have to and we have to deal with those hormones, the insulin, the inflammation, there are real things that can help you um, succeed. And I, I just think everyone needs help. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, so if it's even occurring to you that you want to lose weight and it feels terrible, like it feels like I don't, I don't want to, that's, that's when you call for help. And do you, do you have, do you have your patients or clients do like an exercise program or regimen along with diet? So interesting. Yeah. So if someone's already doing exercise and they love it, then they continue. But if they aren't, I do not have them start exercise programs. And the reason is because weight loss is about 80 to 90% food. 
Exercise is absolutely incredible for mental health, for relaxation, for sleep, for heart health, for a million billion things. And weight loss is not one of them. Now, the only caveat to that is sometimes I will have people who it's almost like a domino. Like if they get exercise into their, into their routine, the rest is like super easy for them. Like it is as if it triggers everything else and everything else falls into place. Uh, It's not a lot of people, but I've have had some people like that. But when we're, when you're going through stuff where you're changing things, I don't want to put exercise as one of the changes because it doesn't give us as much bang for our buck as other changes, particularly with food. So usually, yeah, that's really nice because I think for some people who just loathe exercise, you know, they're just like, are you going to make me go run three miles, you know, for three days a week or whatever in order to do this? And some people like, I hate running. (laughs) I hate it. I'll do other stuff when, and I'm one of those people who, if I stop doing it, I'm like, ah. It, it's like pulling teeth. I, it really takes a lot out yeah. of me to actually do it. But once I get going, I'm like, oh, yes. okay, I feel good. Like, you know, after a long day, you're like, it does, like you said, it, it's a good cathartic exercise to do to get that energy out. And maybe yes. if you, you know, had a bad cycle or maybe if things aren't going as well, it's a, a nice way for us to decompress. But some yes. of us who don't enjoy that at all, I could see that as a big deterrent for wanting to get into a weight loss program because they feel like they have to exercise because that's what we've all been told. And I don't want to get into this whole like diet industry thing either because we could have a whole other conversation about that. But I feel like because we're, it's ingrained in our minds that we have to do exercise in order to lose weight. I think it's comforting for some to know that it's not a requirement to do it. It really is not. No. And, and in fact, it's like the, the time that I will help people that, that, that will talk about it is in maintenance. Then we'll, then, because they've already now had everything dialed in and, and we're like, well, what, what can I do? Well, you could walk. Yeah. I mean, and Mm -hmm. walking, and actually there's, there's evidence to show that walking is like the, the number one thing. But again, I don't have anyone do that until we're like, you know, Yes. Baby's born. The weight's <laughs> yes. that weight it's off. Yes. And then well, and then you're pushing the carriage well, anyway. So yeah. Well, that's a good point. Do you support your patients after birth as well with like the yes. weight loss or you know And I, through pregnancy. Because with um so there are some risks in pregnancy too. Um, for if they're if over a certain BMI and that sort of thing. So if if you go through the first trimester, you could actually go through the first trimester and still lose weight. Now, if people are freaking out about that, I I understand because when when you think lose weight, you think diet mentality. But that's the thing. I don't do diet mentality. So everything we do up to, working up to the IVF, it's perfectly fantastic and easy to do during pregnancy too. So it's, it's eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're satisfied. That's part of it. But that's one of my favorite pieces that clearly we can do in pregnancy. When you're hungry, you eat. <laughs> that's, that's a very important thing to do. So, and in the first trimester, if your BMI is over 30, the recommendation is to not gain and you can lose. And that that's again, protective like of the just per, potentially preventing gestational diabetes and other risk factors that may come from, um, from being with a BMI over 30 when you're mm-hmm. pregnant. And what's the, so when someone gets started with you or, you know, maybe even any other diet program or exercise, mm, I shouldn't say diet or exercise program. I should say weight loss program <laughs> because it doesn't have to include yeah. dieting and it doesn't have to include exercise. See, I'm even like exactly. programmed to say nice that. Job. Like, I know. <laughs> Um, it's true. But so when people start with you, let's just say that, um, what is the expectation for time frame? And I know there's probably a spectrum, but you know, a lot of people want to know, like, when will I see weight come off or when will I see, you know, my yeah. clothes feeling different? What's the expectation? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So the data shows 5%. That's always my first goal. So we're looking for 5%. So if someone's 200 pounds, that's 10 pounds. 
is the first 5%. And that makes physiologic difference, which I love that. So 10 pounds. Now, uh, some people hear 10 pounds and they're like, that's not enough. And some people hear 10 pounds and they're like, oh my God, that would be amazing because I've been trying to lose weight and I've only gotten four and I've like, and that's been two years. And I, so 10 would be incredible. Um, and then there's a lot of the people with the diet mentality that's like 10, well, forget 10, 10, 10 wouldn't do anything. If it's not 50, forget it. Um, but the data shows that physiologically, um, 5% makes a difference. And I will tell you, I have seen that over and over and over again. The next one is t- 10%. So for the person who's 200 pounds, that would be 20 pounds. And those that's the places we head. And then people have their own goals that they would want. But 5% is my first um, goal. And then, and I, almost every time I, we get that, like that's, we can do that. So can you explain what physiologic difference means? Yes. That's where, and as we talked about in the beginning, is where the fat is being lost. So now estrogen is lowered. Um, fat is being lost. So now insulin is lowered. Um, they're potentially eating differently so that the any resistance is also getting lowered. So it's it's physiologic in that your hormones literally change. Also inflammation, again, remember, because when we lose fat, we are decreasing our inflammatory burden and whatever foods potentially you're eating differently would also affect that too. So that's that piece. I also think, and this is one of those things where, and I, I don't, I can't, this is nothing I can prove, but I do think that there's something about the intention, again, that willingness, like showing your, like doing this for yourself and your body just makes a difference. I don't know if it's mental or what, but every time I've seen it, if it's hap- if it's happening, that 5% is coming off, there's lots of changes and that can include neurotransmitters and all the rest of that. So it's almost like you don't need to, and the data shows this, you don't need to lose 50 pounds in order to make a difference. And, and I've seen that, like that that is true. I do, I do know that we just need a little hormone difference. Mm-hmm. So of, of all the people that you've worked with in the past, what do you think is the biggest barrier? What do you think people struggle with the most that you find that's common across the board? Yeah, I, I think it's this all or nothing thinking the the diet piece. It's just so ingrained. It's like, it's like breathing. Like we can't, it's hard to imagine any other way besides, I have to never eat the things that I love again. You know, I have to, I have to become a totally different human being and, and who would want to do that? You know what I mean? Like, like it sounds terrible. It's like, you'd have to like get up all your courage to become a totally different human. So I think that diet mentality of all or nothing, I'm either perfect or I'm terrible and terrible feels so much better, except it really doesn't because we don't, we don't like it it doesn't feel comfortable to us. That's not what we want. So it's like trading when we're, when we're doing all or nothing perfect or, or off, we're trading off crappy feeling. You know what I mean? And so my hope is for us to get to a place where there's nice feeling, like, like there's good feeling. Of course, there's like some discomfort, like sometimes you would want the donut and you're deciding not to, because you're going to have it tomorrow with your friend at your favorite place. And so today isn't the best day to decide to have the donut. doesn't mean you're never having a donut. It just means this crappy donut that's been in the office, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know room. pool yeah, yeah, room yeah. for like two days is not yeah. worth it. But the one at Krispy Kreme yes. that's warm, whatever, that's the one I'm going to have. And that's, those kinds of choices are so good. Then that's not black and white. That's not all or nothing. That's I'm having a donut. I'm just having yeah. a damn good one. <laughs> right. I'm going to make it worth my while. Yeah. yeah, Exa- yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? That's our life. Mm-hmm. Our life should be worth it. All the choices we make in our life should be about the things that we really want, not the, the scraps. Yes. And, and, and I want that for all women always. Yes. Do not settle for the scraps. We get to have the best. Oh my gosh. That's like, that needs to be framed up on everyone's (laughs) wall. Do not settle for scraps. Like I think, oh my gosh, that speaks so, it speaks to so many aspects of our lives that it's like, it's so funny how much that plays into all of this food and weight stuff too. It's like, we like to think that it's in this narrow like box that we just deal with. Like we just deal with weight. 
But it's so much more than that. Hundred, you got it. Hundred percent. One of my very favorite sayings is how we do one thing is how we do everything. So when I talk about black and one thinking about dieting, you know, that I'm either perfect or I'm not, guess what? We think that about our work. We think that about our clothing. We think that about our house. We think that about our relationship. We think that about everything, all or nothing. It's very painful. The truth is when I can help someone start to see the gray areas of food, they it's it bleeds into all the parts of their life. They're like, oh, I can, I can be uncomfortable with my sister-in-law, and but I don't, I can, I can make it so that I, I don't have to never see her again, right? Yeah. I can, I can mm-hmm. put boundaries around the situation where I can be, I can participate with my family, I can feel safe in the environment, and then not deal with her on whatever levels. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it does again. It doesn't have to be all or nothing, huge, big, and small. It can be, it can be a bit, it can be easier than that. Yes. I I think that's interesting too, because for in my 20s, I did that thing where it's like, you cannot touch candy. You yeah. cannot touch anything. You're only going to eat salads and salads are all going to eat with grilled chicken with yeah. nothing on it forever yeah. and ever and ever and ever. That's <laughs> yeah. oh miserable. God. I hated life. I lost yes. weight, but I hated life. And right. so it's uh, the other thing I learned too, because after that, if you can imagine, I went haywire, right? Afterwards, I just ate everything inside because I had, I, it had been gone for so long. I thought I just need to have it all right now. And yes. then I had to start thinking about there's always more. So yes. instead of like eating all of it now, I can have more. It, this is not yes. all of the supply of yes. all of it that I need to have right now. I can save yes. it for later. I can have more later if I want, or I can get some more tomorrow. I don't have to eat it all right now. And That's such a great shift. That's a huge, huge mind shift right there that you're talking about. It's that it does feel like it's going away. When we have that mentality of like, I will never see this again, we do overeat. So getting to the place where you could stop eating when you're satisfied and you could throw away some food. Oh, I mean, that's huge for some people. They're like, I can't throw away food. I mean, you could wrap it up and put it away yeah, for later, yeah, but you yeah, know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like you don't have to eat it. it right. Yes. You, you, you can have it again. Yes. yes. It's, a, it's such a, it, that's huge. Well, and that comes from like so many, oh my gosh, I'm getting so excited. Okay. Because they can come from like so many different avenues in your life. Because, you know, when I grew up, I did not grow up with a lot of money. And so when food was put on your plate, you do not waste food. You eat it all because you're a grateful kid. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You you need to be grateful. You're lucky you have food on your plate. So you're going to finish it all and not complain about what you have on your plate. So then I felt this compulsion to like clear my plate. If I didn't clear it, it was, it didn't feel right. Cause then I was wasting yeah. food or yes. whatever. And so I think yes. changing that too, for some huge is, is a big very deal. Hard. Yeah. It, it is a very big deal. Now bless our uh, caregivers. You yes. know what I mean? I mean, they were tr- only trying to do what was best for us, yes, but 100%. that really does set up a terrible thing. I mean, honestly, I, I mean, I, I'm sure I did it to my kids. You know, I mean, like <laughs> you, you're like, please eat the food. Yeah. I'm so worried that you're going to shrivel up. I mean, it's, yes. it doesn't make any, it really, I, I mean, if you think about it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but, but it came from a nice place, but yes, we're stuck with it. And, and, and you do get to a point where you're like, and you think about it, like, I can have this again. I can wrap this up. I, not only, and actually, I mean, on this other, like cognitively too, we could just be like, you're saving money. Like if you're not- Yeah, 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 right? It's two <laughs> you know meals, I mean? not just one. Right, it's two meals. <laughs> exactly. Really, I yeah. mean, it really can be like that. But, yeah. but, but that has to be examined. You're right. That holds a lot of people back. Yeah. And so yeah. like for me, when I started to change that mindset of like there, there is more or there can be more, um, then I feel like, oh, okay. Like I can, I can get a donut next week if I want to, this is not the last yes. donut I'm ever going to eat ever. It's not the last donut I'm never going to look at, <laughs> you know, or yes. I can buy more of these chips next week. If I want more, I'm yes. only going to eat this much today yes. or, you know, whatever the plan is. Um, yes. I think that that's, it was that, an interesting actually concept. A brain. Yeah. It's brain. It's actually, uh, brain chemistry on that. That's actually brilliant that you said that. And it's totally true. That's actually something I work on with urges. So telling yourself, I can have that tomorrow. If I want that, no problem. I'm just going to have it tomorrow. 
And that sets up um, a, um, a, it, it takes away the automaticity of I want something, I'll eat it. I want something, I'll eat it. You, you have that a little bit of space in there, so that so then you realize that you can you can have an urge and not have to be controlled by it. You can make decisions around it, right? And having and that little aspect that you talk about of I can have it tomorrow is very useful. Mm-hmm. Like abundance versus scarcity. I think when we yes. think scarcity, we're like ah, hoard. <laughs> like, you yep. know, hundred percent. Yes, and, and it like, shows up in food. Yes, it shows yeah, yeah, up, yeah. and it shows up on our body. Right. Yes. Yeah, and I'm by no means perfect. I'm, you know, I'm after my last cycle. I'm like, oh my gosh, like my pants don't fit. <laughs> So I'm definitely one of those people who's like, okay, like I got to, I got to figure out which of these things I'm doing. Cause it, like you said, it kind of creeps up. Like you, the reverse happens as nice as it can be to slowly peel away things. I think the same thing can happen where things slowly pile back on without you even noticing. And that's why the noticing is the thing that matters. Yeah. Cause the sooner you notice, the sooner you can do something about it. Yeah. Staying engaged does make a difference. And that's, that is, that's one of the main things that I start with because we have to be engaged because uh, we, we don't want to know. We don't want like what you're saying, like, you're like, Ugh, I can't deal with that right now. Like I have more things to deal with. And so we don't, and we don't get on the scale and we don't look in our pants and we just, we just start to, this is so interesting. We just start to pick those other pants. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, like, yes. Like, oh right. my God, yes. Like the ones don't fit. So you're just like, oh no, yes. no, I want to wear these today. Right. Yes. All of a sudden yeah. they start going to the back of the closet where you yes. never pull them out and again. You never, right. Yes. And then, cause you're like, cause it's uncomfortable. Like our emotions right. sometimes it's uncomfortable. So we just right. don't deal with them. Exactly. hundred percent. You're like, I'm just going to yes. start wearing these looser ones. He's right. Yes. Oh, but I like the color better. Yes. Oh no, these ones are my favorite. <laughs> oh my gosh, guilty as yes. charged. I've done it. Oh, I may totally. be doing Me it too. right now. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so I try not to be super negative all the time because that can happen with like talking about weight loss and talking about all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It can be very negative. So what do you, what have you noticed in your patients and clients? Um, what is a positive thing you've noticed like across the board, maybe a, a common theme you've noticed for people who did end up getting to that 5%, 10% um, weight yeah. loss? It Well, the one of the main things is that it's possible to lose weight. Like just that alone. Do you know what I mean? Like that there's some that there is like it's possible is such a useful thing to feel and to um, and to experience, especially when we're talking about IVF, because there's there can be so much um, challenge and feeling out of control and all that stuff that that feeling like something is going in the way that you want it can be really really helpful, and um, and so and so getting to the five percent and then of course when there's you know, when you have a retrieval that goes really well, or, you know, or you get pregnant, all those things are so exciting. There's so many things that um, can feel really good about, about doing this work. And the other thing that's really helpful is that you, there is support. So again, we talked about a therapist who I, I love therapy, but you also have someone in support of everything that's going on and how you're, how you're doing your food. It just makes such a difference to have another human there. And I will say I am I am always in awe of the people who are doing work. Like I just think, and, and not only, not only do I think it like in a airy fairy way. Like <laughs> I know what it takes. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Like I understand what it takes to be thinking all the time of something you don't necessarily want to be thinking about. About going, about waking up and going to the doctor's office and all, and bringing your food. Do you know what I'm saying? Like all that. That's incredible. So being reminded of how incredible it is of the things you're doing. And often we're like, ugh, everyone would do this or I'm supposed to be doing it or whatever. I'm yeah. like, no, no, no. It's amazing what you're doing. That is that piece. I, I love that piece about um, having an internal, di- like changing the internal dialogue to, oh no, that I am doing amazing things. I I really, I am. Mm-hmm. You know, that I mean, gosh, we could go all day on this stuff. Like I feel like the positive self-talk stuff is 
is hard for us. I think particularly women, we are exceptionally hard on ourselves. And then especially if we're going through this IVF stuff, I think allowing a space to say, hey, I am doing something right when it feels like everything is going wrong. You know, if you're not, you know, if your retrieval didn't turn out well, or you have poor quality eggs or whatever, you as a, a woman, as an IVF patient, um, you feel like, you know, why, why can't I do it? You know, you feel like you're yeah. failing. You feel like you, you can't get it right. So it's easy to beat yourself up during the whole process. Absolutely. And that's that piece where um, bodies are bought, like we, you know, not everyone sees with their eyes. You know what I mean? Not everyone hears, yeah. like not every like our bodies are, are miracles. And, you know, there's things that are going on when we can, um, separate out like who we are and our bodies, it can like, again, getting a little space there can be really, really helpful because it, I mean, oh my goodness. And when we take it so personally, it's, it's heart wrenching. But when we can have a little bit of space, just a little, not that we wouldn't wish for a different thing, but, but that we, we have what we have and we're, and we're going to, we're going to make decisions based on the knowledge that we have, on the data that we have, on all the things that we've done. We're going to keep going and then make a, de- a decision based on that. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, I was I was talking to uh, on my last episode. I had um, a fellow IVF patient on, and I kind of asked her like, "What is one of the tips you would give like fellow IVF patients?" And she, one of the things she said was, "You know, give yourself some grace." Excuse me. Cause I, I, and I was like, you know, I, I think we do a terrible job of saying, you know what, we're doing the best we can right now. And that is all we can do. And that is okay. It's huge. It's uh, doing the best we can do is amazing. Cause uh, the best we can do is fantastic. And and even if it looks like nothing, it's amazing because we do have a choice of not doing that. So it's any time it's, it's absolutely incredible. The grace is the most important thing. Yeah. And it's so funny. I feel like weight loss and the IVF fertility journey kind of run parallel. There are very similar things where in your weight loss, excuse me, in your weight loss, you feel like, you know, like you tend to beat yourself up, like, oh, I'm not losing weight fast enough. I'm not where our goals were. So you know, I'm less than, Yeah, <clears throat> you know, and, that's right. And, and you're not, you know, and it, some people ex- just take longer. Yeah, absolutely. There are like, like with IVF and I mean, like with um, fertility and hormone, there's hormones involved. It, it is really isn't just uh, one calorie in one calorie out. It's really not that simple. And believe me, if it was, everyone would be where they wanted to be. It's, it's way more complicated than that. And so working with your body, with what's going on, with the best available information out there, it takes some some time and some, um, great, the grace is a perfect word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't take credit for that. So <laughs> I well. I'll have to, I have to, I have to give Jen credit for that. Yeah. But, um, so uh, do you have, and it'd be great, you know, to hear, um, if there is one, but do you have any success stories you want to share for some of your patients who've, you know, lost some weight and then, you know, yeah. were successful in their journey? Yes. It's so, I mean, that part of course is really, really fun. Um, I have right now I have three pregnant women, 42, 41, and she'll be 38. Um, and it's really, it's really exciting. They, and they did amazing things. I mean, I mean, they, they were like, I mean, the same amazing things that other people. So I also have people who are still in the process, right? We're still, we're still working through it, but it also is really fun to have pregnant ones. REIs, you know, the fertility doctors, I mean, again, it's, it can be so wrenching, but it's so beautiful what they do. I mean, they are really incredible with how they do it. And I'm of course just a support person, but I, I take a little bit of credit. No, it's not amen. at me. Totally. It's not me at all, frankly. But yeah, I, yeah, it's, no, like, no, no. It's, it's like I photobombed. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, here I am. That's my baby too. <laughs> no, I totally it's think not. you should take credit. Oh my gosh, so don't funny. sell yourself short. I feel oh like goodness. you should totally like take credit because <laughs> I mean, all of these things go in 
all of these things contribute to, you know, they the do. success. And you may not have gone in there to pluck that egg out <laughs> or you didn't like transfer it into the uterus, but you right. were there. You helped create that healthy egg. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that it's body so that's housing the egg, like yeah. you, you had a part in that. So I, I'm like all for that. I think <laughs> I'm giving you credit. So <laughs> thank you. And, yeah. and it really is. Of course, that part is the really fun part. And of, and of course, it's also as everyone would imagine it's anxiety producing the whole thing you know they're pregnant until the baby's out you know what i mean there's the, all that but it's beautiful because the things that um we did together before continue to to help through the pregnancy and after and everything else so it's really it's really nice there it really is a mind shift there really is a different way of of looking at food and yourself and all the rest of that stuff and that makes yeah. a huge difference do you do you feel like the proud auntie sometimes totally that's exactly I'm like <laughs> show me my baby please <laughs> you're like so when's the baby shower right exactly when right exactly oh, I- oh i didn't get the invitation <laughs> yeah oh, all right is it is it coming or should i <laughs> exactly like oh when when should I show up exactly yeah. what time yeah. exactly you're like I'm just waiting and if you need me to be in the maternity photos I can be, right, exactly, be right, exactly like no problem yeah I'll uh, make space in my schedule to show up yeah. it's all good exactly <laughs> totally like, I can make time for that it's no big deal um but so okay so how do people find you if they need your help if they're finding themselves struggling Yes. The easiest place is Instagram. So at Stephanie Fine MD and Fine is F-E-I-N, Stephanie at Stephanie Fine MD. That's the best place. My website is also Stephanie Fine MD and there's a lose weight with me button that you literally just click on and then you send me something and we set something up. So I love, and I do only work with IVF patients or people trying to conceive. So IUI would, you know, also would be the same thing, but, but that's exclusively what I do. So, um, I love that because I, like we're discussing, I, 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 there's special parts of it and things that, that IVF patients would particularly benefit from. And, and so I focus on that sort of thing. So yeah. what happens when they contact you? What happens after that? So we set up a time to chat because I have to see, you know, I, they, they have to see how we are to work together and I can see more of what they've gone through and and if it makes sense for us to work together. And then we just start working together. So um, as of right now, I'm doing one-on-one in, in um, three month chunks. The first three months is the foundation. The second three months is mastery. Um, and so, and we just, we, we work together. And that's what, what I love about the one-on-one is that it's individualized. So every, like I said, every, some people will benefit from types of food. Some people will benefit from focusing on inflammation, insulin, whatever. So, um, it, that, that part is the, to me is the best part. Mm -hmm. And do you work with people internationally? We have some, some audience that are, you know, in Ireland and, you know, what a great question. Mm -hmm. I certainly would. There's no reason why not. As long as the timing worked out, I do work with people now all over the country. So Mm -hmm. I'm in Los Angeles, but I work with people all over. Okay. Because I work by phone. So that was a good point. I work by phone. Okay. Wonderful. And then do they end up just like meeting with you like once a week, once a month, once a week. Oh, once a week. Once a week. Yeah. That's awesome. Hey, yeah. this was like so much fun. So fun. Yes. Will I you like, it. please, please, please come back and we can talk more about this other stuff any we really wanted to time. talk about. I know. I, I was going to say I could talk about this forever. So any, any, any time you invite me, I'm here. Yes. It's kind of like with the, with the showers. Yes, exactly right. Your invite, Poke my nose in. <laughs> your invite is always, always open. So if, Amazing. if you ever want to talk about anything in particular, like I feel like we could just go on for hours and hours. Yeah. And if I, Absolutely. if we didn't have a time limit, if you didn't have a life or, you know, um, <laughs> anything, I would just sit here and talk to you all day about this stuff, but thank you. So fun. Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with My me pleasure. today. And I'm like so honored that you're able to share your expertise with us. So, um, anytime I, I hope it won't be too long, but I'll definitely be in touch and we can certainly talk about uh, future topics or if certainly if anyone, um, reaches out to us and has any questions, um, you'd be open to answering those yes. questions. Absolutely. I love answering questions. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for coming by today and um, I'll see you soon. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. Bye. Bye. I want to thank you for tuning in today. I hope you found today's episode helpful. 
If you want to question or topic covered in future episodes, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at 40 and infertile. Make sure you hit the subscribe button for alerts and new episodes, and I hope to see you back again soon. Bye.